You're listening today, presented by Home Sideways. As the calendar changes to October, it's time to talk all things horror. Today, Daily Notes becomes Daily's Spooky Notes. Let's go. Hello, Sydney. Remember me? Have you heard about this videotape that kills you when you watch it? Goob and me don't do castles. Sometimes an insect will evolve to mimic its predator. Always check your candy. They're here. Groovy. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Almost Sideways Movie Podcast. My name is Adam and these are my horror notes. Really excited to dive into this wonderful genre of horror for the month of October. I can't believe it's already October. It feels like September just hit and I was putting out a Predator and Dirty Dancing review. Uh, But no, we are in October. Really excited to uh, share some of my love for the genre of horror. Uh, First off, really get this out of the way. I don't claim to be like the biggest horror junkie. I don't haven't seen everything out there. So a lot of the films that I pick for the episodes every week, at least one film would be a first time watch. Basically the same exact format I've been doing the entire time. But I, I, to find those first time watches, I, I wanted to dig and scour and try to track down some stuff on the internet that just looks interesting. Uh, so I, th- I found some cool ones. Really excited to talk about a lot of them. And I, th- I think we're gonna have some fun here, uh, celebrating the horror films that are celebrating anniversaries. Of course, we're talking about 2002 films this year, and I think, or this episode, and I think I found some really cool ones in a family-friendly horror film. My daughter says, persistent that Scooby-Doo is not a horror film. And I, I keep on telling her, yes, I know that, but there is, sometimes you have to, uh, have those little gateway drugs, <laughs> air quotes, into certain genres. And I think Scooby-Doo has those little horror notes that uh, any young teen could, or a young person, my daughter's age, uh, could get into and kind of would like to expand on those little scarier films. And I think Scooby-Doo is a great one. But anyway, before we get, jump into our films here, I'm really excited to talk about this genre because on the podcast... And on the, our website, actually, with, between the four of us, uh, of almost sideways, I definitely love the genre a lot more. And so when I was brainstorming this, this brainchild of mine here, I, I reached out to Todd, and he thought that was, he was like completely on board. So obviously, he's probably listening to this right now, and, and he's like, oh, God, here we go. <laughs> anyway, uh, but I really kind of reached out to him, and he Todd's going to appear. He's going to watch some horror films with us, too. Uh, he'll see, catch his reviews later on in the month of October, but we're going to have some fun with it. And like every episode, make sure you check the show notes down below to see where the films are streaming on any platform of streaming service. Make sure you check the show notes there because you would want to experience some of the, the thrills, the chills that this month brings. So make sure you check out where these films are streaming. And also make sure you guys like, share, and subscribe. We'd love that support there as well, especially on a big month like this. There's a lot of horror fans, and some of these movies may be right up their alley. So definitely share the love there as well. And make sure you follow us on Twitter at Almost uh, Sideways. Almost Sideways. I almost said Almost Famous there. Make sure you follow us, Almost Sideways, on Twitter. All right. So let's hit off our first movie of the episode. Usually I do the first time watcher, but the big headliner for this episode is The Ring, directed by Gore Verbinski. You can pick something, I don't care. Say hello. The left 
Do you have any idea how many electro rays are traveling through our head every second? I got a better one. Mm. Have you heard about this videotape that kills you when you watch it? What kind of tape? A tape. A regular tape. People run it, I don't know. You start to play it, and it's like somebody's nightmare. Then suddenly, this woman comes on, smiling at you, right? Seeing you through the screen. And as soon as it's over, your phone rings. Someone knows you've watched it. And what they say is, you will die in seven days. And exactly seven days later, Somebody from Rivera. Who told you? What's your problem? I've watched it. It's a story, Katie. No, me and Josh, we saw it last weekend. I thought you were with your parents. Uh, I wanted to tell you. You were with Josh all Some weekend? of his friends got this, this place up in the mountains. They were trying to record a football game. I guess the reception was so bad. What are you talking about? Listen to me. When we played the tape, the game wasn't there. It, it was... What was it? It was something else. We thought it was some kind of sick joke. And then the phone rang. It was a week ago. A week ago tonight. Uh, you're just trying to scare me. The Ring is an American remake of a Japanese film called Ringu, and in this 2002 version, it's directed by Gore Verbinski, and the writers here are Yuren Kruger, Koji Suzuki, who wrote the novel The Ring, Hiroshi Takahashi, who wrote the 1998 screenplay of Ringu, and the cast here has some really good names in it, i got to be honest, headlined, headlined by Naomi Watts here. And she has been showing up in horror films quite frequently as of late. Has a new film came, that just came out on Amazon Prime that's streaming there called Goodnight uh, Mommy. And I haven't seen that one yet. I know it's a remake as well. And I want to see both versions. Uh, but i got to see that one as well. Uh, the other cast members are Martin Henderson, Brian Cox, and David Dorfman. And my quick uh, history with The Ring here is that you know I remember seeing... The trailers for this film uh, on different openings of blue DVDs at that time, but I never seen it until like a year later, and I, I was roughly like thirteen or fourteen around there, and I remember watching it that first time, really scared. And I don't want—I remember that character Samara with the long hair, uh, especially in the water um, sequences here. It really kind of just gave me the chills and put me on edge. And I think that's a sign of a good horror movie, especially when they're able to scare you and uh, kind of leave you unsettled. Uh, but if you haven't seen this film in a long time, let me refresh your memory by the synopsis on IMDb. It says here, A journalist must investigate a mysterious videotape which seems to cause the death of anyone one week to the day after they view it. All right. So it's a pretty straightforward plot that actually takes place in Washington. Uh, Seattle to be exact so it's always kind of fun to see films based in the city that I'm I live close to 
the plot's really simple. It has a really good opening, and I think a lot of these openings in these horror films around this time kind of pay homage to movies that come before, like Scream. Scream had this amazing opening with Drew Barrymore that really sets the tone for the rest of the movie. And The Ring is no different here. In the opening of The Ring, we see two young teenagers sitting in the bed watching TV, uh, talking about whatever teenagers talk about, which I think the conversation is kind of silly, but regardless of what I think about that, uh, it sets the tone here. They talk about this videotape that does kill you seven days later. One teen plays it off as a joke. Come to find out, is it real? Is it fake? Only time will tell as the, the runtime starts to build. And that opening sequence does set the tone. And it's kind of it, it's creepy. It's mysterious. And it's right up there with one of the, my some of my favorite openings from horror films. And I, I got to say, it's effective still after all this time. It, it definitely, the tone that that opening sets plays throughout the, the runtime of this film. And you actually do feel the death. It actually means something. The character that uh, does, dies in the beginning of the movie is related to Naomi Watts' character that was their niece and the cousin of her son. And uh, it's, just, it's, it's really good. I think it's really well done. And it kind of build, gets the story kicked off. And Naomi Watts plays an investigate, investigating journalist, journalist for the Seattle Times, I believe, uh, some Seattle newspaper. And so she's investigating this videotape. And I think it's funny that the what, what criticism I do have of the movie after watching it so many years later is that Naomi Watts' character, uh, Rachel, uh, she's supposed to investigate this videotape. And when she does find it, she just decides that she's going to watch it and before really knowing anything about it. And then kind of she needs to really solve what's going on in this mystery rather quickly or she's going to die, really. And... I really liked, especially when they do play the tape, you definitely feel this eerie, creepy vibe that plays with it. And you're wanting to unravel the mysteries along with Rachel. And I think that's one thing that I really loved about this movie. It doesn't play like a traditional horror film. It's in a, a kind of a thriller. It's a mystery movie. It, you're unraveling the mysteries of this tape, of what's on it, of this lady brushing her hair, these horses that are wrapped on the beach, this fly, and everything pays dividends when the credits do roll and for the longest time everybody knows who the the, the this little girl is now because she's kind of an iconic figure in the 2000 horror uh, genre uh, Samara however they never say that character's name in the film and until like near the very end and this movie is almost two hours long and I think they don't actually say the name Samara until like an hour and 30 minutes in and you're just kept wondering about this mystery, and now you see this little girl, and it all plays into this bigger scheme. And I think it's really smart doing that. They don't reveal the killer. It kind of, in a way, rem reminds me of you know Friday the 13th. I haven't seen the whole entire franchise, mind you, but the first film is Jason's not the real killer. They mention Jason a lot in the film, but it's Mrs. Voorhees that's the killer. So you're kind of sub subverting your expectations, especially if you haven't didn't grow up on those films. So when you are watching, are you going into the ring kind of blind, I guess you would kind of, your expectations would be subverted that you're going to see like this killer be this long-haired girl, but it's actually, you know, it is, but at the same time, it's, 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 
your the way the movie goes down, it's it goes down a different route that you're not expecting. I think it's very smart. And it does, and it does do that. Anyway, uh, so the things that I really loved about the movie, obviously, the scares are still just as effective. The the uh, the effects they do pull off with some of the um, close-ups when uh, people do die, really uh, well done. The makeup work here is really good. The mystery moves along, and I kind of want to know more about it. And it is just a really good film from start to finish. Uh, it makes me want to watch this one again after rewatching it. However, like some horror sequels, that are always they always seem to be not as good as the original film. Uh, obviously, there are exceptions, of course, but The Ring unfortunately has the the that's the kind of the, the stink on it because The Ring Two definitely is not as good as this first film, and I actually really don't. I have to rewatch watch that movie, mind you. But I know it's. I, I did not like it after watching it uh, way back in the day. I think a movie came out in 2004, I believe, a couple of years after this film, maybe 2005. And I know they just made a new film in 2017 called Rings. I haven't seen that one, uh, but I know that didn't get really good reviews either. And unfortunately, it's it's kind of stinks when you have a really good first film that can stand alone by itself, and you're like, yeah, that's a really great film, and then you realize it has sequels to it, and it kind of just leaves a bad taste in your mouth because you know what comes next is kind of. It's not as good. It's not as not a worthy predecessor. It kind of reminds me of uh, Sinister. Really loved that first film, and then Sinister Two comes out, and it's like this is completely wasting the first movie's promise. Uh, so I guess that's kind of a negative on on the film for me is that the sequel is really bad. But this film is really an entertaining watch that is effective with the scares. It plays a really good mystery, so it's not just a complete like jump scares fiasco that now a lot of the horror movies are made out to be i like the conjuring movies but they do rely on those jump scares don't they uh, but the ring does have some scares that do make you jump but they're effective and they don't really build on those you know those same tropes that were like you know you can predict when the jump scares do happen i don't really i can't really predict when they do happen even though i've seen the movie so i really i really like that effect um that way uh, the ring is a really solid movie guys you got to check this one out i think this plays perfectly for the month of October. So The Ring, I, I'm definitely a three-star film for me. I had, my opinions haven't changed on this whatsoever. I wish, the only thing I kind of wish, it's, it is PG-13, so I wish they would maybe push the envelope with the horror movies. I think that's another thing that the horror genre does. They like to put PG-13 movies so they can get many people into the the, the, um, the theaters so they can make that, that box office and be successful financially that way. But... That's just a little nitpick on the the genre as itself. The budget for this film is $48 million, and it made a gross worldwide of $249 million, almost $250 million. So it made a lot, a lot of money, so no wonder they went with the sequels here. And as I'm seeing on IMDb, there is some awards love here. Not, no Oscars or anything like that, but let's click on the what it won and what it got nominated for. It got 14 wins, and bunch of nominations it says here i'm not going to read everything but for the first one that does come up is the academy of science fiction fantasy and horror films in the u.s it won for best horror film in 2002 it got the saturn award for that it also got uh, best actress for naomi watts and it was um, a nominee for best makeup as well 
that's kind of cool. The Bram Stoker Awards for screenplay for Ewer and Kruger got a nomination there. It, yeah, that's the Golden Schmoes Award. Oh, the, there we go. Golden Schmoes, Best Actress winner for Naomi Watts. The trippiest movie of the year for 2002. Best Horror Movie of the Year in 2002. Winner there. It was nominated for Biggest Surprise of the Year. Breakthrough Performance of the Year for Naomi Watts. Favorite Movie. Poster of the Year. Best Trailer of the Year. Best Memorable Scene in a Movie for... What scene is that? Samara coming out of the TV. That's great effect, too. Really like that effect. I didn't mention that. But that's a, a, the way that when she, Samara does appear in this movie, it is... Really awesome. I think they use her screen time to its full fullest potential without having it overstay its welcome. Really um, awesome job. And way, way to have some restrained Gore Verbinski because he's primarily, when I think of Gore Verbinski, I really think of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. And I totally forgot that he directed this and he does a really great job with this, uh, this film here. So anyway, all right, that's The Ring. Let's jump into our other headline review, and that is Scooby-Doo. heroes gone when the world needs a champion against the forces of darkness who will answer the call i'll have whatever he's having From Warner Brothers Pictures. Mystery Inc. reunites. Scooby and his crew are back on the case. Run! I'm trying, buddy. And now, on an island of mystery. Welcome to Spooky Island. They have... Monster! The monster! No clue. We're here to solve a mystery. Rory. I got bad feelings about this. Creatures are taking over the world? That is so rude. <laughs> doo where are you? Get up, get up, get up. Raggy! Scooby-Doo! <laughs> this year... Who's your best buddy? Raggy. That's right. And who's my best buddy in the whole wide world? Ruby-Doo. Many heroes stand tall. Now who's the damsel in distress? Me? Straight up. But only one stands on all fours. Thank you. Thank you. Scooby-Doo. No one is stupid enough to believe that. Who's the ugly old broad? Scooby-Doo is directed by Raja Gosnell, and it's written. the screenplay is written by James Gunn, based off the story by Craig Titley and James Gunn, and based off the characters brought to life by Hanna-Barbera, William Hanna and Joseph Barbera. These iconic characters are brought to life by Matthew Lillard, Lillard as Shaggy, Freddie Prince Jr. as Fred, Sarah Michelle Gellar as Daphne, Linda Cardellini as Velma. And of course, we didn't forget about you, Scooby, and he is voiced by Neil Fanning. And of course, there's other actors we have to mention here as well. Rowan Atkinson plays Mondavarius, and Isla Fisher plays Mary Jane in this film as well. Now, if you definitely haven't seen this one recently, the, the, the synopsis here on IMDb, after an, an, a criminous breakup, the Mysterious Inc. gang are individually brought to an island resort to investigate strange goings-on on Spooky Island. 
Now, so watching this back after so many years later, I couldn't help but have a lot of fun with this. I could tell that the cast were having a blast. And quite frankly, I'm having a blast watching them have a blast. And because I love these characters. I used to grow up watching those Hanna-Barbera cartoons, and this is actually my favorite show that they put out. I love the Flintstones and the Jetsons and all the, and Yogi Berra, Yogi Berra. Uh, but Scooby-Doo, there's something about that show. Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? A Pup Named Scooby-Doo. All the spinoffs that they did come up with, I enjoyed every single entry of them. So seeing them in a live-action uh, setting like this was right up my alley. And I actually remember watching this in theater with my parents and having a blast with my brothers and sister watching this movie. We watched this countless number of times when it came out. We owned it on DVD. And... It was just kind of a classic film that we used to grow up on. Watching it today, I still have fun with it. There are some things that really work. And I think that the animation, the CGI on Scooby-Doo actually is really good. My daughter was watching this with us and she said, Man, Scooby-Doo looks like he's real. And yeah, at times, there is times where this talking dog who eats a lot of food, human food and interacts with Shaggy's and uh, Shaggy and has fart competitions with him does come across as a live-action dog. And I think that's a really good job by the CGI artist. However, I think the, the villains, the, the creatures that are on this spooky island don't come across nearly as good as Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo is the main draw, of course. So I think that that's a one little minor thing about the CGI. I loved the chemistry between the characters. And like I said, I think they're having a blast. And I, it's hard to argue that fact. Seeing side characters like Rowan Atkinson pop up here reminds me why I loved him so much. If it comes as uh, Zazu from The Lion King or if it's Beans, uh, him as Bean or Johnny English, I really just really enjoy Rowan Atkinson and anything he really does. Even that little small sequence in Love Actually, he's really just brilliant. The way that he emotes himself and puts himself out there is just really awesome. And the confidence that he's able to do on any character just makes me laugh. And we're over here in this film, it's no different. Seeing Isla Fisher here, however, I totally forgot that she was in this movie. I thought it was a completely different actress. And she's good. Uh, she's not my favorite thing about the film. And I think her little love triangle, or not love triangle, but love plot with the Shaggy... Uh, it's not my favorite part of the film, uh, but that's just a little nitpick that I personally do have. I think the mystery here is really fascinating, and it zigs and zags. And I remember watching it and being uh, kind of thrown off by who it revealed to be uh, in charge of this kind of mystery that is on Spooky Island. And I've always been intrigued by an island that is a complete amusement park. I think this this idea has been thrown out there and toyed with a couple of different times. Obviously, Jurassic Park being that very first one, and then obviously we see Jurassic the World Jurassic World franchise now too. But having an island where in, in this film that is, they clearly get on an airplane to fly somewhere, and when before they get there, they're on a boat going to the island. So where did this plane land? This is the greatest mystery for this movie for me. Where did this plane land and where did that boat go to take them to this island? Because they go on, on a pier to walk onto the island. That's a very big mystery. If you know the answers, hit us up on Twitter. Overall, this film is just a lot of fun. It's nostalgic to me. has some really good mystery elements here. It's family friendly and it is a good 
entry to if you want to have your kids experience horror films without having seen the grotesque violence and blood and stuff like that this is a good little film to get you in there with some little spooks and chills that are really good for kids and i think that's one reason why i really wanted to talk about this film because it's streaming on hbo max i don't want people to uh, sleep on this scooby-doo film because i think at that time uh, this was a really popular movie in 2002 so i had to talk about it and real quick before we close out scooby-doo the box office for this movie we have to talk talk about it. The budget for alone for the movie is eighty four million dollars, and it made two hundred and seventy six million dollars at the uh, worldwide box office. So it made a lot of money as well. Really happy that it did. And I remember this being a very popular movie. A lot of my friend group actually did talk about it too. So I forgot to mention that earlier. Awards uh, it got a couple nominations here and a couple wins actually. So let's take a look at there real quick. The Kids' Choice Award, it won for Favorite Fart in a Movie for Matthew Lillard. So there's that. And MTV Movie Awards, Best Virtual Performance by Scooby-Doo was a nomination there. Uh, it also got, here's some Teen Choice Awards. It got a couple of them. It, it won for Choice for Actress Comedy for Sarah Michelle Gellar. And there was nominations for uh, Best uh, Comedy. Best Actor in a Comedy for Matthew Lillard. Best Actor in a Comedy for Freddie Prince Jr. Best Film Choice for Chemistry for the entire cast. Or for Sarah Michelle Gellar and Freddie Prince Jr. rather. And Best Film of the Summer. So it's kind of a bummer not to see Linda Cardellini show up there. Because I think she's actually my favorite performance in this film. Along with Matthew Lillard there. But anyway, let's go into our final review. That's the first time watched the episode 2002's Ghost Ship. Jack Farrington. I fly the Arctic Weather Patrol. Last month, I was out in the middle of the strait when I came across this. Congratulations. You found a boat in the middle of the ocean. What do you think a ship like this could be worth? Depends on if we have the right to salvage it. I do know one thing. Sea gives you an opportunity to take it. Yo, Murph, I think you should get up here. It's an ocean liner. It's the Antonio Grasa. Any sign of what might have happened? Nothing. No passengers. No crew. No captain. No mention of anything in the ship's log. What do you make of that? The ghost ship. I think I saw something I couldn't possibly have seen. I think I saw a little girl. Now. Oh, voyage. 
screenplay is by Mark Hanlon, who did the story, and John Pogue, who did the screenplay. And our cast of characters are brought to life by Julian Margulis, Gabriel Byrne, Ron Eldad, Desmond Harrington, Isaiah Washington, Alex Demetriotis, and Carl Urban, as well as Emily Browning. 2002, I, I, I remember seeing this trailer. I vividly remember seeing this ghost ship trailer and being kind of freaked out and haunted by it and always wanting to watch it, but I had never seen it up to this point. And so when I was researching this movie, I found out Ghost Ship was oh, a 2002 movie. I was like, I got I to gotta do it. I got to pull the plug on this. I got to take the plunge. I got to go on, open, on the open seas and watch this film. And seeing some reviews on it, uh, they didn't get very favorable reviews on this movie, especially on Rotten Tomatoes. I think that's like a 15% of Rotten Tomatoes. But we're not Rotten Tomatoes. We're almost sideways. And we review what we want. And so I watched Ghost Ship. And it was fun. It was a lot of fun. I thoroughly enjoyed this movie a lot. And it was just a fun time. So uh, diving into this film, because I didn't really rewatch a trailer or anything like that or read a synopsis or anything like that beforehand but we're going to do that now imdb has it as a salvage crew discovers a long lost 1962 passenger ship floating lifeless in a remote region of the uh, bering sea and soon notices that its long dead inhabitants are still on board great setup for a horror film first of all so when we, i'm not a big ghost uh, fan when it comes to horror i kind of like the slasher genre or having kind of those mystery stuff like that. So having kind of a ghost as your main thing is it's really hard for me. That supernatural stuff is kind of like, okay, this plays a lot of for jump scares, especially nowadays. Ghost ship is kind of rather effective because it's, it's, it's kind of like how I compare it to, it's kind of like alien alien. The first alien film takes a place on the Nostromo and that whole spaceship is really, and the, the and the, the entire spaceship of the Nostromo is really what's the, the scariest part of that film is because you don't know what's around every turn of that ship. The crewmates might, do, might, but you don't as a viewer. And so you don't know where this alien's hiding, right? So in this ghost ship film, you're on this freighter uh, and you're trying to unravel the mysteries of what's happening. So every little turn that the crew makes, you're experiencing those kind of feels and like this mystery. The prop design here and the setting and the production design here is really, really cool. And seeing this ship kind of unfold as you go into different floors and different rooms, it, it's really cool. I, I, I really dug the setup, and I think that's what's the most haunting thing about the movie that makes it really effective is the set alone. Yes, it does go into some... Uh, you know, that supernatural kind of ghostly kind of stuff, which... It's okay. I'm enjoying the ride that I'm on, and so that stuff doesn't bother me. There's one sequence here with Isaiah Washington's character that uh, is really kind of bad CGI, like a big reveal. It looks really dated at this point, uh, being 20 years. I think now it would be a little more effective use of it. Maybe that kind of will stand the test of time there. But other than that one little sequence, I really wasn't like taken back by anything. My favorite part about this whole entire movie is the opening sequence. The opening setup is really in your face and really brutal. A lot of deaths happen really quick at the beginning of the movie. And that's the whole setup of why this ship is kind of lost at sea and being called this ghost ship. And as, as you're on this ship with these crew members, 
and the mysteries of the ship are slowly unravel, unraveling, I was just eating that up, man. It was really kind of fun, and it made my experience watching it even better. Again, I kind of like these kind of mysteries that are slowly unraveling uh, on screen with us. Uh, when it was revealed at the very end what has happened, that's my only kind of like criticism of the movie as of something that a person that was revealed wasn't my favorite little place that they did go with it. So And it happens right at the end, like the last 15 minutes of the film. Overall, I'm like at two and a half stars of this movie out of, th uh, out of four. I'm still really high on this movie and I really probably would watch it again. Uh, probably own it at some point. It, it was just that entertaining, and I really enjoyed it. The ending is just like that little hiccup for me, but it's a little roadblock, right? A little speed bump there in the, in the grander experience of the film. Talk about our cast here. Uh, Julie Goulis as Epps here really kind of steals the show, kind of becomes the Ripley of this. I'm just going to tie it back into Alien. Might, might as well have already kind of opened that door here. Um, I also really like seeing a young Carl Urban in this film. Uh, we're just watching the boys on Amazon as well, and seeing him uh, in this film was really cool to do. I liked his interactions with another character here uh, called Dodge, played by Ron El Eldard. I think their chemistry was really cool. I really liked those interactions between those two characters a lot. Wanted to see them more, quite frankly. Frankly, I think other characters kind of are on the screen, but they don't get a crazy a lot of screen time. There's this one character here. Played by uh, called Francesca. Her name, her the actress's name is Francesca Rettadani. Um, she's a, kind of like a singer in this uh, on the ship here, and her uh, kind of ghost comes back a couple times. There's some mysteries there that really kind of fascinating. I think that was a really fun part of the film too to see where how she this person ties into the, the grander scope of the story and like i said that reveal of when the mystery is actually revealed that was a really fun sequence to see because there's again a lot of violence right there a lot of killing bloodshed happens and it's it was thoroughly entertaining it was popcorn eating fun if you will, and just at the very end, the final climax of the of the scene, it was of uh, the movie. It's kind of like okay, well, that's that's where it went. Uh, and anyway, we're not gonna talk about that anymore. Uh, fun fact though, the, Kate, the the there's a young lady in this movie called Emily Browning. She plays a character called Katie Harwood. Uh, my wife somehow always amazes me every time she does this. Uh, a smaller role character. Uh, she was like, I think that's the girl from Sucker Punch. I was like, I don't think that's who you think it is, honey. And sure enough, you know, I popped on the old IMDb, and yeah, it is. Emily Browning plays in Sucker Punch and the um, Lemony Snicket's curious, uh, series of unfortunate events. It's amazing. My wife does this all the time, and I can, I don't know. She doesn't, she does not good with actors' names, but she knows where they are in. So she's a woman out of my, my own heart, even though she's a lot better at this game than I am. Uh, really cool to see her show up as this younger actress. I didn't even know she was in this movie. Didn't know she was in Sucker Punch, apparently. But really, uh, I thought she did a really good job conveying the emotions of her her character, too, and seeing her uh, interact with Epps. Really good. And I think she kind of helps with the, some of that mystery reveal. And so, again, Ghost Ship, thoroughly entertaining movie. Make sure you guys check the description box down below in the com um, show notes to find out where this is streaming. Because I think this is something you should watch. All right, guys. Well, that's my first week of going into the horror genre here on the podcast. Really excited for the movies I've watched here. The Ring, Scooby-Doo, having some really good 
uh, reminiscing on some movies I used to watch and looking forward to watching Ghost Ship uh, again. I really I had a lot of fun with it, and I can see myself just enjoying it on the next viewing as well. For next week's episode, guys, we are going back 40 years to 1982. We're talking about three films next week as well. We're looking at revisits for Poltergeist as being the headliner, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, and the first time watch is going to be Cat People. Really excited for that movie there. Kind of had my eyes on it ever since I I was researching it. I was like, got to watch that movie, but that's next week. Anyway, guys, stay tuned, stay spooky, and go watch some horror.